Welcome to the Writer's Hour, where we have creative conversations with up-and-coming authors on their latest books. This is the place to be if you wish to get a preview of new books that are available for the voracious bibliophile, as well as the story behind the story for the voyeur who wishes a peek behind the creative curtain. Here's your host, Janine Bolin. Hello, thank you for joining us at the Writer's Hour, where we have creative conversations with a plethora of writers who've been kind enough to come and talk to us today about our books and their books, and we talk about writing in general. And today, I happen to have an author that I've been lucky enough to see really grow in her writing, really grow in her outreach, and that is Zuza Rennick, or you would probably know her as Z.M. Rennick, and she just recently wrote a book called um, Red Lights on Silver Mountain Road, The Sealy Court, but one, it's a beautiful book. It's got a gorgeous eagle on it. It seems like it's even got the Colorado Rockies, and if you read a little bit about her biography, you'll find out, yes, that was pretty much the inspiration for it. So, Zam Rennick was born in Boulder, Colorado, and spent almost all of her life there, and then she went to Smith College in Northampton. Uh, Massachusetts. She returned to Boulder to do her PhD in theoretical computer science, not your average fictional writer in the sense of science fiction, right? With the fantasy element that she brings in. She worked as a postdoctoral researcher in the related field of computational biology. She also has been writing science fiction and fantasy during the amount of free time that she has a PhD student. And then as the funding got a little bit shorter, she found that she had more extensive free time and that's when she published her very first novel red lights on silver mountain road which is the first book in this beautiful series the seedley court currently she lives in longmont with her husband she has a three-year-old daughter and an 80 pound labrador retriever and she keeps uh basically things under control as a ringmaster for her particular circus (laughs) Anyway, she continues to be a part of the writing. She has several Longmont groups that she's a part of, and it's wonderful to have you with us today. Thank you so much for being with us, Zuza. It's great. Well, thank you for having me. No worries. Well, let's just kick it off and get on with it, shall we? How about you tell us a little bit about the book, Red Lights on Silver Mountain Road? Kind of get us into the world there. But Red Lights on Silver Mountain Road is an update of the legend of the Will-O-Wisp. That for people who aren't familiar with it, the Will-O-Wisp was a British fairy-like creature that would lure travelers into bogs. It would carry a lantern, wander into the bog, and the traveler would follow the lantern under the belief that this guy had to be going along a safe path. And then as soon as he was too deep in the bog to get out, out went the light. And the traveler was left alone and lost. Yes, so, another one of those kind of legends to keep children at home and attended at all times, right? <laughs> or possibly to explain to your wife just why it was that you were stumbling in at three in the morning. <laughs> That's <laughs> brilliant. It because you'd been drinking, it was the Will-O-Wisps. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. But so my wisp has updated his methods somewhat for the 21st century, but he too is equally malevolent and has a way of using light to go after the people that he wants dead. 
Fascinating. Well, we don't want to give too much of it away, but I'd say that is an excellent start to that wonderful fiction. And I know that several people who I have talked to who are a part of the writers group in Longmont, they discuss how normally this isn't their genre they like to write it, uh, read in, but they absolutely enjoyed reading that book. Um, so kind of tell us a little bit about, okay, here you are in Colorado. So why, why did you get this idea for a Will-O-Wisp fiction fantasy? I mean, where did that come from? Well, it originally came from a blog post from one of the authors that I keep up with. And she was describing traveling from Colorado Springs to Denver on a very foggy night. Just saying she couldn't see the road in front of her at all. There was just this distant pair of headlights and all she could do was turn where the headlights turned and hope that that was enough to keep her on the road. Oh my God. So, yeah, you know, I heard of this and thought about following the Will-O-Wisp and moreover thought, okay, suppose the Will-O-Wisp was a possibility. It might actually be in front of her. Would she still follow the lights? I mean, there's a chance they're going to lead her to off, over the road and off a cliff. Or, but is there a better way to get home? So that sort of stuck in my mind for a while. But right then, all I had was that image of the will-o'-wisp leading a car along the road. Then it was probably about nine months later or so that I was driving on a particularly foggy day. In my case, I was driving along 287 in the flat parts. So even if I were to be willow-wisped off the road, I would hit nothing but cornfields. But this, the story came back to me and sort of thought about, okay, how would, I make a, how would I make a story around this idea? And I thought of the idea of having an investigator trying to go after this willow-wisp. Initially, my thought of the investigator had been that the investigator was another fairy, but that really didn't let me explore the concept very much or the mystery around it. So I thought about a human investigator and how a human might get involved in investigating this. And then it just sort of started to come that by the time I'd reached my destination, that initial conversation between Emma and Shane was pretty much sketched out in my mind and from there, the rest of the outline went pretty quickly. And so that's something that leads us right into the next question, which is every writer has their own process. And so do you mind telling us a little bit about the difference between a planner and a plotter and a pantser? Uh, there's all those different terms. Kind of give us your definition of all those and then let us know where your writing style fits in there. Yeah, I mean, the, the, in my mind, the, the plotter is the one that writes out the plot, writes out the outline, and then when they start writing, they know what they're doing and where they're going. Whereas the, pl the pantser sits down at the computer and has no idea what's going to happen next until the characters inform them of it. Now, I spent most of my life trying to be a pantser, that this seemed like the coolest way to write, that your characters obviously have the most interesting things to say to you, just go where the creativity takes you. But what that got me was a computer full of stories that were about two-thirds finished and were never going to get any farther. So I decided, okay, I'm not a pantser. I just need to plan. The way that my process usually works is I get an idea, like I mentioned from that blog post. And before I really started writing seriously, I always thought that 
ideas were the big thing in writing that the, the key thing was to get this good idea. And then once you got it, it was just sort of trivial to turn it into a book and become a bestseller. Since I've learned that ideas are everywhere, I currently have a folder full of ideas that if I wrote nothing else could probably get me through at least 2029. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, so the ideas by themselves don't matter. It's the process of turning the ideas into a story. So my story, so then I, you know, I mentioned here, I got this idea for a story about the investigator. And then the next thing I do is I try and write out a summary of the whole story. This isn't the book blurb. This isn't an attempt to hook anyone in. It's just, I'd say it's most like when you, back when you were doing creative writing in third grade of this happened and then this happened and then this happened. And just sit there and write that out so that before I get too much deeper, I know that there's an end point. I know how I'm going to get there. I'm not going to get too lost. And then after I do that, I write a table of contents that just tells me what chapters I'm going to need. Sometimes the names in the table of contents are the things that eventually end up in the book. Sometimes they're just silly things like a chapter in which Emma has tea or a couple of them I named after Tom Petty songs in the <laughs> table of contents. Wonderful. And then from there, write a paragraph or two summary of each chapter, at which point I'm ready to go and start writing the real thing. And I, I think that's the process when you sit down and actually start writing. So you mentioned how you had a lot of books that you started off with and they're two thirds done because you were trying to be, a type of writer that you had heard about and it just wasn't working for you. What was the work for you? I know how I write, but I always like asking other people, how do you write? Like when you get serious about, okay, I'm now going to write, what is your process? What do you do? Well, once I start the book, I pretty much just start at the beginning and type on through to the end. Occasionally I've tried writing the chapters out of order, but at least to me, it always feels rough when I'm doing that, that that writing a chapter where I know what my starting point is and I know what my ending point is, and somehow I have to force it to the ending point regardless of what I'm doing, just doesn't feel right. So I've done it sometimes, but I usually just do chronologically bang through. And then with my outline, I should mention that I have it and I do refer to it, but also it's a map. It's not a contract that it tells me one way I can get from the beginning of my story to the end. But if it turns out that something I was planning on writing about is really, really boring, I can skip over it. If it turns out that there's something that requires a lot more attention or some little detour that I want to go explore, I can do that. And I have the outline once I'm done with whatever exploring I was doing, where I can get back on that path and make it to the end. So you actually are predisposed to setting little mile markers for yourself, little guideposts along the way, so you don't go off into the weeds for too long. You are able to find your way back. Yeah. But some no, if, if something seems more important than I thought it was in the outline, there's no reason I can't go off and explore it or just find something interesting. But yeah, knowing the, the road is there, once I get back on the uh, I can head back to the road hit that mile marker, and then continue on. 
Well, and books have been born from those little detours that writers take. I mean, Stephanie Meyer had a whole whole book that she wrote based on the host was because she went off into the woods about in, into the weeds on a wild track and realized, oh, this is a totally different book. Had to cut it off and bring herself back to writing a book about vampires. <laughs> so I know that that kind of thing happens frequently. So you have this series in your head. And when I was lucky enough to first meet with you and chat with you about your writing process, you were talking about how you had, you know, three books basically on the Sealy Court. So tell us a little bit about volume two. It's, it's coming out very shortly, isn't it? Yes. Volume two is going to come out on October 30th. That is a hard and fast deadline because it's available for pre-order on Amazon right now. So <laughs> if you search my... Actually, if you search The Changeling, you probably won't find it because that title has been used for a lot of books. But if you search my name, there should be a pre-order available there. Right. It, um, so, yeah, the book, the second book is called The Changeling. It involves Emma. Now she knows that, the, that fairies exist and what's going on in this world. And it lets her explore the world a little bit further. That as part of The Changeling, Emma actually goes into the fairy realm and the Seedley Court itself and meets some of the other fairies besides the two investigators that she knows. Excellent. Okay. Well, I know how much I enjoyed the first book. And the reason I'm not asking you anything about it is I'm known, just ask my children, I'm known for spoiling things because I get so excited about a plot point or whatever. So that's why I'm avoiding any discussion about what what you've actually written. Because normally this is not a a genre I find myself enjoying. Normally I don't read that, but I have to say that's why I uh, asked you to be on the show was because I really did enjoy the plot. I enjoyed what was stated. And I'm not going to say any more than that, because then I'll get excited and I'll go down a road I don't want to go down. Um, So tell us a little bit more about when, you know, you hear this all the time about writer's block, writer's block. And you and I've had previous conversations about, well, we really don't experience writer's block. We experience this system isn't working for us, or this path is not working for us. Do you care to explain a little bit more about that process? Okay, yeah, so when I find something really not working, sometimes what I have to do, sometimes what I have to do is go back to my outline and say, okay, I don't think I wrote this quite the way I intended to. Let's re-outline this section. That book two, The Changeling, I did have to re-outline pretty much everything that happened after the fairy ball that it didn't quite go to the end, flow to the end the way that I wanted to. And so I had to rearrange it and make sure it was clear what revelations were going on, what the theme was, and how everything tied in there. But then once I got that second outline going, things flowed again. I also sometimes have issues when I'm trying to force the characters to do something that they don't want to. Now, <laughs> you're not the first person, I'm sorry, you're not the first writer to bring this up, that your characters are actually dictating their story to you, right? <laughs> yeah, I had a problem with that in, the, in book three, which I'm working through the first draft, getting it ready for beta readers right now, that I had um, the character of Sersha doing something that she flat out informed me was not happening. But there was no way in hell that she was going to go and blab all of the secrets of the fairy court. 
And who do you think you are, Miss Writer, that you're going to have me run off and do that? Like um, one writer was telling me how her characters get pretty mouthy at her. <laughs> well, pretty much. It's, uh, but I um, had her, so I had to find another character who could tell these particular secrets because she just wasn't doing it. <laughs> well, then the book that I'm outlining right now. Again, it's Sersha. She's a problem character, apparently. <laughs> but that I'd intended it for that to be another sort of court book. But Sersha informed me there was no way in hell she was going to surrender her freedom. And so instead, it's turned into a fantasy version of The Fugitive. <laughs> oh, no. That's great, though. Those types of those storylines are wonderful to read, though, especially if you're in a situation where you're trying to do a little escapism. You know, that's fabulous to have that kind of a storyline that's being shared with you through a very different set of eyes. And that makes it a lot of fun. So when your characters get a little bit mouthy at you, one of the jokes in the mystery world is <laughs> if you have a problem character, you kill them. <laughs> because if they just won't fall into line so we don't want to no spoilers or anything but are there any unexpected deaths in your story not as of the current point in the series okay all right i'm a little worried about a couple of the characters (laughs) there's a few that are kind of on the ledge as far as what you're thinking yeah that there have been a couple of Comments that could be interpreted as someone's really in danger. That's fabulous. Well done. Well done. Like I said, we don't want to get, we don't want to do any spoilers or anything, but do you ever see yourself doing a character sketch of some kind or publishing a book on the side written from a different perspective on the Sealy Court? Or where do you well, see your current series going? So this, this book, this series, my current plan is for 12 books a trilogy of trilogies about Emma, but then each of her three main allies also gets a book. That book three in the Seelie Court is going to be told from Shane's perspective. That him dealing with the aftermath of learning about all this, plus his brother's death, plus the betrayal of someone who he considered a family member, that he's still got a lot of issues with that that aren't really cleaned up by the end of book one. Lovely. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We really do appreciate it. How can somebody like get on your mailing list so that when you have these, well, you're very good at articles and that sort of thing. When, where can somebody go to learn more about you other than Amazon? (laughs) Um, I have a website at zmrenick.com. Okay. Wonderful. Got book announcements, sometimes my thoughts on the various things in the literary world. Actually, at the moment, I've got the prologue of book two posted. So if anyone's curious, you can go check that out. Yeah, no, that's fabulous. Uh, Writers, I have found to be such a generous group of people. You're more than willing to give your readers little sketches, little ideas, uh, getting into the heads of some of your characters on your website. So that's why I always encourage listeners, please go visit your favorite author's websites. You will find a treasure trove of neat little things you won't see on most of the media because they like to treat you uh, with the with the things that are on the website. So that's wonderful. Well, any other things you care to share with us today before we take off today? 
Not really. That. Thanks so much for having me on. And mm-hmm. Thanks to everyone who's read the book and has encouraged me to keep going here. Oh, most definitely. Especially when you told me that it was going to be a trilogy of trilogies. I got very excited. And then the next thing I started talking to, to our dear Miss Rennick about was, oh, how's your health? How are you doing? Because I've had <laughs> science fiction writers in the past would start writing their stories so late in life that they would die off. So, you know, Heinlein and Frank Herbert and all that before they'd finish. And what's wonderful is Miss Rennick has no designs to leave us early and has every intention of finishing up all 12 volumes. So thank you so much for being with us today. I really do appreciate you taking time. Thanks again for having me. You betcha. And that's the Writer's Hour for today. And feel free to go down to the post notes or visit the website so that we can share with you the links and special privileges that listeners get to see the websites and see new updates that happen with all the authors that we have here on the Writer's Hour Creative Conversations. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Writer's Hour. To hear more about the creative conversations that Janine Bolin is sharing with her listeners, please visit janinebolin.com forward slash guest. Guest.